Welcome back to another episode of the Converge Podcast. My name is Steve. My name is Nate. And we're here to help you have a Christian worldview in a post-Christian culture. Once again, welcome back to the Converge Podcast. This week, we're going to do something a little different. This season, we've talked about a lot of heavy issues with everything that is going on, uh, not just in uh, Christianity, but just in the culture at large, uh, with gender insanity, with uh, the issues with abortion, uh, grooming of kids. There's just a tremendous amount of evil that is going on in soul and society. And so part of the reason for our podcast is uh, helping uh, our church understand and deal with these issues, understand where certain leaders that are prominent are right, where they're wrong. Uh, So this week, we wanted to kind of cap off uh, this season by talking about uh, how do you enjoy life in the midst of uh, heavy cultural issues, in the midst of a culture, especially in the United States, that is not going, uh, in some senses, the direction that we want it to go. In other senses, uh, it's just evil is being unmasked. That has been there. That has been boiling under the surface, but we're seeing it um, as it is. And so, What we want to do today is really cast a vision for how you, in the midst of everything that's going on in culture, can respond to it by enjoying your summer, by building the church, by building your family, by reinforcing your Christian worldview, and all those things. Yeah, I think often, you know, we we cover these big issues, these very serious things, and that leads themselves to hopelessness. And we don't want to be a hopeless people because we have a lot to be hopeful for. And so I think it's just helpful to step back sometimes and remember the things that God calls us to don't actually change. We do need to be aware. And that's where a lot of uh, even modern evangelicalism wants to kind of put their head in the sand and not even be aware and not even acknowledge these things out there. We need to do that. But for the purpose of because we've got something better to build. Mm-hmm. We're building the church. We're building strong families. We're building robust Christian community. And I think it's helpful for us to even talk through what what, what is robust Christian community? How mm-hmm. do we actually flesh that out and make it something people can do? One of the big differences between soft-handed, weak evangelical leaders and what is, I think, living the mission of Jesus, what it is to build the patriarchy uh, in God's sense, what it is to realize that Jesus is currently ruling and reigning from his throne. Matthew 28 tells us all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. In light of the resurrection, we're not in many senses waiting for him to reign. He is reigning. But one of the big key differences is what you said. We are building something. And so often people will come to me and say, you know, what can I do? What do I do? Um, When we hear all about this, it can make us panic. It can make us anxious. It can make us really kind of step back and look at our lives and really have a difficult time finding the point Mm -hmm. in everything that we're doing. And that's spiritual warfare where that type of discouragement is concerned. And so a lot of what I want to talk about today 
is how do you build a life that does counteract all of the evil that's going on? Because we are called to be countercultural people. But in many senses, um, you know, people don't understand what it means to be countercultural. And in many senses, it means to build the antithesis of what the culture around you is building. And I think that is one thing that requires the most faith for Christians to do is not to have a retreatist mentality where you're just building walls around yourself, Mm -hmm. where you're trying to insulate yourself. And in some senses you are, but it's bigger than that. You are seeking to build a sense of the kingdom of heaven. This second Corinthians five, you're an ambassador for reconciliation. I don't misunderstand what reconciliation means. It literally means reconciling people to God by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, but building a culture of discipleship so that when people see the utter failure of pagan society, they will have a place to go to build something worth living for. Yeah. When we're seeing this um, just distinctly anti-life, anti-Christ culture, our only response to it can't be just to point out how terrible it is. Mm-hmm. We do need to do that. But our the way to combat that is to build a Christian alternative, the Christian alternative that all of history actually is headed towards. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of need to be people who are proclaiming Christians ought to have a good life, a full life. Like we ought to be able to build a culture where we are enjoying the good things that God has given us. Um, we, we say that living life in accordance to God's good design is a better way to live. We need to know how to walk that out and so that people can see that. Yeah, when the New Testament talks to us about the fact that Jesus has come so that our joy may be full, we need to realize that much of what the culture needs to see in Christians is that we are a joyful people, but that is not simply just going to happen. That is going to be a byproduct of actually building the type of life that proclaims the gospel around you, but also shows that you enjoy the reality of what it means to follow Jesus Christ, what it means to build a different lifestyle. And there's really four key areas we're going to look at today uh, that if you're looking for where do you start in living for the culture, where, excuse me, living for the gospel against the culture for the sake of the culture. And I think that's a tension that people struggle with as well. Where do you start? And it's simply four key areas we want to talk about. Build the church, build strong families, build yourself and enjoy grace. And if you listen to our podcast, if you listen to the sermons that are preached here at Village Church, you see those four things threading throughout everything that we talk about, everything that we preach. But today we want to focus on them in particular. Cool. Here's a verse I found to kind of kick us off. Uh, James 1, 17 through 18. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And the problem that a lot of people have is they read a verse like that and then they turn and they begin to invest their lives in the things of this world, Mm -hmm. the culture of this world, the kingdom of this world, all of the things that this world is absorbed in. And then they struggle with saying, but I'm not experiencing that with my life. But the reality of James 1 is, is that the focus is that you're to receive something from above. The things of this earth, the uh, secular culture, secularism, false ideologies, none of those are from above. So they are not God's good and perfect gift. So if you're filling your life 
with things that aren't of God, if you're building your family on things that aren't of God, if you're building your future on things that aren't of God, you cannot expect to have the good and perfect gifts that only come from God. Yeah. So let's get into it. Building the church. I think it is always an encouragement to me to think that no matter what is happening out there in culture or even what is happening in my specific life circumstances, because hey, life has ups and downs. Sometimes you're having, sometimes things are going pretty good. Sometimes you're having a rough season of life. No matter what is happening, God has called us to be a part of a local church family that because God is building, and Ephesians is very clear about that, then we are called to be a part of him working in that. And that's, that's always an encouragement to me. Yeah, there's no lens to read the New Testament with where you do not see an organized church built through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the purpose of making disciples of Jesus Christ. The organization of the church, the leadership of the church, the ordinances of the church, the discipleship that takes place inside of the church, those are huge themes throughout the New Testament. And so if you are not building the church in a proactive way, where you can say, this is where I'm contributing, where you can point to specific things and say, hey, on Sunday morning, this is what I'm contributing. Throughout the week, this is what I'm contributing. From my resources, this is what I'm contributing. You cannot hope to grow in enjoying the good and perfect gifts of God, of building something for the gospel of Jesus, on being an ambassador of reconciliation. You cannot do it outside of the environments that are provided through the church of Jesus Christ. So every person, has a good and joyful work to do in building the church. If you look at just Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, where it specifically points to the offices that the church are given, but more so than that, the spiritual gifts that God gives to each and every person, it's always for the sake of building up the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is the gathered church. It is the church as a whole. And so you have an ability, it might not be a speaking ability, might not be a teaching ability. It might not be something that you think is very important, but the first Corinthians 12 is very specific. Every Everybody. gift is needed. Every single person in the local church matters and your contribution matters. But I see so many people wasting their time on commitments outside of the church while they're completely abandoning the church of Jesus Christ and their necessity to build it. So easy to, and this is just a human being truth, <laughs> to get depressed when you don't have something to be a part of and to work on. And so you look at out in the culture and all the things happening, and if that's your focus, if that's where your eye is on, yeah, you're going to get depressed. The beauty of being a part of the church is we all have something bigger than us to be a part of. And so we need to embrace that. Mm-hmm. And so you know, are you viewing yourself as responsible for the health of the church? You're not solely responsible. You're not even largely responsible. Mm-hmm. Look, I real, the church has given pastors and we do have an extra responsibility there. However, Every single believer does have a responsibility to the local church to contribute to it, to help build it. And I promise you, if you commit yourself there to what God is doing, uh, it's going to improve your outlook on life as a whole. Yeah. And it starts with just showing up. Just showing it's up. that simple. So many people uh, neglect to obey Hebrews chapter 10. And what they don't realize is they're looking for all of these places in life where they might have sin, but they're neglecting some specific and very simple things that are imperatives, that are commands. Hebrews 10, 25, uh, 24 through 25 tells us, do not neglect 
the gathering of yourselves together. And it begins with the presupposition that you're doing it to stir one another up to good works. And so the idea there is if you neglect gathering together with the church of Jesus Christ, you are not going to have people in your life stirring you up to good works. And you're not going to be in other people's lives to stir them up for good works. And if you want to talk about what discipleship is, what else is discipleship other than stirring people up to live the good works that God has created beforehand, Ephesians 2.10, in Christ Jesus for us to walk into? And so, so many people uh, neglect the gathering and then bemoan what's going on in the culture around them. Well, a very simple way for you to be proactive and engaging the building of God's culture in this world is to simply show up to church. Yep. Show up, sign up, participate. Um, You know, obviously it starts with the corporate worship, but then be involved in the life of the church. Like we're not asking anyone to figure this out on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that that is like scripture literally says that is actually part of the role of pastors is right. to lay some of that groundwork framework so that we can participate. But then just be a part of the church body. Um, you know, you got to. And this is a principle for life. I remember me and you had to coach a lot of younger guys in college about this of you just got to show up to stuff. Yeah. You just got to be yeah. there. You got to be present. It's a ministry of presence. So I just want to encourage our church, just be more present with the church community. You will see fruit from it. Almost every single person that comes to me that is disgruntled uh, with the life of the church, that is thinking about leaving the church, that is in some way feeling discontented about their Christian life, I'll ask them very simple questions about where are you serving? What community group are you in? What discipleship group are you in? Are you giving sacrificially? You know, are you coming to events and serving in those events? And almost every single time it's just no's across the board or mostly across the board. And sometimes people are barely attending even on Sunday mornings. And it's like, you can expect to be discontented when you are not investing in the very thing that Jesus came to build in this world for the sake of the proclamation of, of the gospel. And so if you're not signing up, if you're not helping with events, if you're not doing the very things that God says you should do for the local church, then why would you expect to be contented in your Christian life? Why would you expect to be growing? And so, you know, we have to have a healthy motivation for building the church of Jesus Christ because the opportunities are almost endless uh, for spiritual growth. When people tell me, and this doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while, people will come and they'll just say, I can't find friends. I can't build relationships. You know, I'm struggling to connect with people in the church. And every single time I will have to look at that person and say, that's not a flaw on our part. That means something's probably either wrong with you. There's something weird about you. There's something <laughs> off-putting about you. If you can't make a friend and build a relationship here with at Village Church, there's just nothing more that we can do for you. Um, we have community groups. We have discipleship groups. We have people on Sunday mornings who literally their entire service is to find new people and connect with them on a weekly basis. I can't overcome a person's lack of friendliness, but I can overcome a person's lack of ability to make friends by creating and cultivating tons of environments for them to make friends. 
And if you're not encouraged with what's going on in the life of Village Church right now, you're not paying attention. Uh, what's happening here is not normal, especially coming out of COVID. I know me yeah. and you, we talk to pastors all the time that are uh, really just discouraged because they had, you know, uh, X amount of people, right. uh, you know, in 2019 and now we're in 2022 and they're 50% less than that. You know, they're 60% less, 40. I mean, some people are running around 25% of what they were running at the beginning of 2020 in their churches right now. We are running almost 100% more people uh, than we were. We have almost doubled in yeah. size um, since 2020. And that's remarkable. We're averaging four new families every single Sunday. And so if you can't find someone to disciple, you're not looking. Yeah. You're not paying attention. You've got to join the greeting team. You got to join the connect team. You got to join the usher team. You got to join something that will put you in position to meet some of these new people. Yeah. What that kind of growth should encourage you towards is so much good work to be done building the church. I mean, look, that, that is always true, but you, if you call village church home right now, you happen to be a place where it is so obviously evident that God is bringing people to our church we, we need your help. So mm -hmm. we, you are need, you're always needed, but look, you're really, really needed right now mm -hmm. to help us uh, meet these people, disciple them, find out where they're coming from, get them connected in all the ways that we've just talked about yeah. for yourself. Help these new people out. I mean, pour yourself into that. Every single time I have ever stepped out of my comfort zone to disciple other people or even in, look, I'm using disciple very broadly here. I'm just talking about the very act of meeting someone in the foyer and telling them about our church and helping them get connected. That is the first step of discipleship. Every time I've done something like that, God has grown me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm encouraged. You want to grow, be a part of, of the work that is evident and needed here at Village Church right now. Yeah. Are you going to get tired? Yes. Are you going to have less time to waste on uh, unimportant activities? Absolutely. You know, it does, it, does it get trying at times to do these things? Absolutely. But if you want your joy in the gospel to be full, this is how you will spend your energy. Yeah. This is how you will spend your life. If you're not being discipled in the life of our church, get discipled so that you can grow. Email one of the pastors. If you're not in a community group, get in a community group. I'll tell you, one okay. of the issues that we have right now is we're running out of leaders. We do not have enough leaders to have the amount of community groups that we need. We are getting overrun <laughs> by our yeah. growth right now, but not just, and that's the beautiful thing about Village Church. We've always had such an emphasis on community groups that right now we have more people wanting to get into community groups than we have room. So we have a lot of community groups that are running way over 100% capacity. And so we need people to go to their community group leaders and say, hey, how can I get yeah. trained to uh, to launch a new community group? That is what this is about. This is about multiplying your faith in other people. And if you want to grow in the gospel, that's a great way how. Yep. And the last thing I want to say on the church too is building the church in the ways we're talking about should not be burdensome mm -hmm. if it's understood properly. We have intentionally set up Village Church so that it is not overly programmatic. And what I mean by that is we're talking about just Sunday morning worship and community life of the church and the things we're talking about. We do not have events at the church every single night of the week. We're not going to because we do want you to be freed up to pursue some of these things in your time. So this summer, you know, think about how can I be having people in my home? How can I be getting to know some more people? How can I be, you know, using my time wisely 
that it's not all spent up with activities at the church. We, we want to encourage, encourage you to do that. And we, we're not trying to put a burden on you, mm-hmm. like making you think that you need to leverage every single second of your week for a church specific activity. Um, your life in general should be seen as part of the church. You are the church. Right. Right. Build the church. That's the first way. Yep. Second way. Build strong families. Uh, many of the issues that we're yep. facing as a culture, many of the issues where we're seeing evil in the culture around us is because we need more strong families. We need men and women who will understand that a commission that God has given them in their lives to make disciples is centered on the reality of building their family stronger for the purpose of the gospel. That is why many of the cultural attacks that we have yep. going on on are direct attacks on the family. That's why they're after your kids. That is why you need to grow in your faith so that you can build a family that is stronger than the attacks that are coming at it. Yeah. And so, again, it's not going to do you any good just to observe all the attacks on the family. You actually need to put into practice um, things that are going to build your family up. Yep. And so we got to be proactive about that. I That's one thing I'm concerned about when I look even on like reformed Twitter or just reformed evangelicalism as a whole. There are a lot of guys that have very good ideas about what families should be, but they're not putting the practices in place to actually see that happen in their own. Yeah, families. I don't remember where we saw it, but over the years, we've picked up a lot of knowledge. So I, I, we didn't come up with this, but it's the idea of theoretical mastery yeah, yeah. where you, you know, you're an ideas person where theology is concerned. Right. You know how things should be, but you're not proactively doing anything. No, you need to actually build your family. You don't need to theoretically yep. build your family. You need to father your sons. You need to mother your daughters. You need to uh, to be the spouse to your husband or wife that you need to be. This isn't just about reading a ton of books so that you have a lot of intellectual meat. You should do that. But the main reason that you do that is so that you can in practice be the father, be the mother, lead the family well, so that it is a strong family. Yep. So, you know, what we're talking about here is going to apply to everyone, no matter what life stage you're in, but Hey, we're not apologizing for this. We got a whole lot of people at village church with younger kids in the home or just kids in the home in general. And so, Hey, you're in the hot seat right now. If that's you, the time is now. Um, the days are evil as far as not just the cultural stuff we're talking about, but as far as they are fleeting, mm-hmm. you only have so much time. And so make the most of this time you have with your kids in your home. But here's what I part of why we're saying enjoy your summer is because I think a lot of people tend to overthink building strong families as just like the discipline they have in place <laughs> and the education they have in place. And those things matter a ton. Enjoy your family, though. You need yeah. to learn to enjoy your family. Make memories. Be intentional. I'll say be something fun. controversial. I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, no, go ahead. But some of you are going to have to fight the temptation to not give your kids a break this summer. Yeah. You're going to try to have um, homeschool overtime over the summer where you're afraid that your kids are going to forget how to read over the summer or something. So every single day you're going to have a structured five hours where your kids have to be reading, where your kids have to be doing math, where your kids are with tutors. Let me just tell you as someone, and you know, I can speak to having a lot of education. I have a lot of education. You know, I've got postgraduate degrees now. Give your kids a break. Let them play some video games. 
you know, let them go outside and just play, you know, take them to the park, take them to theme parks, take them on vacation, take them to the beach or to the mountains or, you know, just take them somewhere this summer where it's not something where you're looking at and saying, well, this was a great educational opportunity for my kids. I love those opportunities. You know, museums are fantastic. Uh, You know, the ARC experience is probably great, but do something. And the only thing that you can look at it and say the value of it is, is because it's fun. Yeah. That's the only value that anyone in your family is going to get out of it is because it is fun. I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed by what's going on in the world that it's almost like a perpetual basic training Mm -hmm. that we think we need to have our kids in. But one of the things that I've seen where you can really burn your kids out and make them resent you is that they have a lack of fun in their lives and you desperately need to for part of the year, for just some parts of the summer, let them have fun. Yeah. Invest your time. It's going to take some time. So like find out how you can give time to this. I mean, yes, you do need to take some days off work. I realize that is not not every person has that ability, but especially in our society now, almost all do. Most so people take advantage of that. I, I think most people have paid yeah. time off. Yep. I think most people have some vacation days that they need to burn. Yep. And I think there are some dads that want to use all of their vacation time this summer to do landscaping. You want to take all of your vacation time this summer uh, to build something onto your house and you should Take part of your vacation time to do that if you need to. But friend, if you are not using part of your vacation time just to spend time with your kids and with your wife, you are not going to regret that right now. You're going to regret it in five or 10 years. You need to build some intentional memories with your family right now. You need to do some things just so that you can have memories, just so that you have something to, to talk about. You need to travel a little bit with your family if you have the resources for that. I know that- Travel prices are through the roof right now. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a break on the horizon for that. Yep. But whatever you can do, even if it's to get to a state park, build some memories with your family. Yeah. Break some rules this summer. <laughs> Let your kids stay up late a few times. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Trust me. It's going to be all right. Uh, take a surprise day off work. Yeah. Just anyway, in general. Take, take, take them out for ice cream yes. when they're supposed to be in the bed. Yep. You know, do, do something fun. Yep. Uh, don't worry about uh, their veggie intake one day and give them some food that they're actually going to enjoy. You know, don't worry if something's organic. Don't worry if something has the wrong type of meat in it for a day. You know, just go and enjoy some things. Break some of your personal rules. And I think we're in an amazing sermon series right now where we're talking about the activity of the Pharisees and some of their sins were that they threw the traditions of men on top of the scriptures and treated the traditions of men as though they were biblical. I think some moms and dads fall into a rut where they think that the dietary restrictions, and I'm not talking about ones that are are from a doctor. I'm not talking about ones that are prescribed. I'm talking about ones that either the mom or the dad has prescribed themselves. And you're laying that on top and you act as though it would be a sin to break your personal dietary restrictions. If you won't let your kid have any sugar ever, you might have a kid that resents you later in life when they find out that things taste good. Take your family out for ice cream this summer and just enjoy it to the glory of God. Yep. Last thing uh, for parents with kids in the home, do take the summer to grow. 
that's always true. Oh yeah, and we'll we'll cover this more at the end here too. But uh, you can you can grow as a parent. We're not telling you not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, learn, read some books, figure out you know, talk to your spouse, figure out how you want to parent better. All those things are good. We have tons of outreach opportunities here at the church. We have movie nights. We have Sunday fun days yep. coming up. Serve as a family. Yeah, yeah. at those events, those yep. are great ways for you to grow. When there's a work day at the church, when there's you know something going on that's yep. an outreach opportunity, and you see that come, I think. People People just immediately start coming up with a list of reasons why they can't do these things. But you'd be amazed at how much you and your children and your spouse can grow through those opportunities. If you're a grandparent, hey, continue discipling families. You know, if you uh, one of the things that I see a lot of the grandparents in um, in our church, they're retired. What a great opportunity you have um, over the summer just to bless your children. Mm-hmm. You know, give your kids uh, uh, the night off from parenting. Just talk to them and say, hey, I want to keep your kids tonight. I want to give you the opportunity to go out, even if it's during the day. Go out with yeah. your wife. Enjoy things. Bless your grandkids in ways that that you can that maybe uh, the parents can't at this point in time. Look for ways to cultivate and create a good atmosphere in the extended family as a whole, what can you do to bless everyone? Singles, we don't want to leave you out. You need to spend your summer looking for areas that you can grow in, looking for activities that you can gather with other friends to do, looking for ways that you can bless the church because maybe you have more margin at this point in your life than other people do. And man, the weather is great. The days are longer. How can you, when we did our um, episode on uh, being single, we talked about recovering the lost ambition to grow in your life and to become the person that you need to be rather than looking for the person that you want to marry. What steps can you take this summer to do that? And so we want to build strong families. Yeah. Singles are not left out of building strong families. So that episode we just did a few episodes, like re-listen to that, like that all applies to building strong families. And I think, I think that application makes sense. Uh, This is something that everyone in the church, you know, should see themselves as participating in. Building yourself. Yeah, this is something that I'm passionate about is having a vision for building yourself. What are some things that you can do in your life to build you stronger, to build you better? I think sometimes when we talk about discipleship, we talk about an important aspect. Discipleship is a relational activity. Discipleship is not something that you can do for yourself solely. It's not individualistic. It is community-based. It is focused on building community. But here's the deal. No one else, even if you're in a discipleship relationship, is going to do the work of growing you. Mm -hmm. You need to focus on that work. You need to do that work. It is your responsibility. It is not someone else's responsibility. One of the greatest temptations that I see people giving into is when they have a lack of growth in their life, they start pointing fingers. Well, if the sermons were better, I would be growing. If my community group was stronger, I'd be growing. If people were focused on me, I'd be growing. I wouldn't be struggling in this sin if I had better accountability in my life. Every single one of those is a lie that you're telling yourself. Every single one of those is untrue. You are responsible and you have to take responsibility to grow yourself. Uh, You know, one of the great quotes, and and I know I've heard Dave Ramsey say it, but I don't think Dave Ramsey wrote it. In five years, you are going to be the same person that you are right now, except for the people that you meet and the books that you read. And so what are you doing to put yourself in position for those things? Yeah. 
So a lot of this is just, this is all going to go together, right? So the people that you meet, are you building the church? Mm -hmm. Are you intentionally meeting people? But now with this, here's the focus. Are you meeting some people that you want to learn from? Are, you know, if you're saying I need to grow, I need to be discipled. Well, okay. Are you approaching people in life that seem a little <laughs> bit farther ahead of you? And if you look at the last five years of your life and you haven't been growing, yeah. look at the people around your yeah. life. That's why you aren't growing. There you go. You, the book of Proverbs is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Yep. And so if you build your relationships with nothing but fools, yeah. you're going to be a fool. You need to get some wise people in your life. Yeah. Summer's a great time for that. And then, yeah, both of us love to talk about reading. All right. Yeah. We did a whole episode on reading. Uh, you you have, and I will never apologize for saying this. You must read good books if you want to grow. Yeah. You must. And, and y- there's an easy place to start. We did an episode. Yeah. Here's 10 books every Christian needs to read. That is where you need to start. And summer is a great time to start that. Summer is a time where you have more energy because of the sun. Yep. Uh, you, you have more time. You know, another thing I want to add to that, don't be overly pious about this. I mean, yes, you need to read some good theology, but if there's an area of your life practically that you want to get better at, read a book on that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be written by a Christian. Yeah, no. Here, here's a huge key for people to understand, especially where reading is concerned. Yeah. Everyone, and some people will try to argue with me, but it's untrue. You're wasting your time. Every single person can read one hour every day. Everyone has that hour. You're either sleeping too much or you're wasting time somewhere else if you tell me you don't have that hour. If you read one hour a day and pick a subject, say for 2022 or even, you know, let's go to 2023 or whatever. I want to grow in this specific subject. Maybe it's history. Maybe it's, uh, you know, some type of nutrition. Maybe it's some type of art. Maybe it is some type of basic theology, or maybe you've read a lot of theology and you can get to the point where you're reading about a subset of one of the 10 branches of theology. You say, I want to read about this specific thing. Get you a list of books. If you spend one hour a day, that's 365 hours in a year. You will be an expert in that specific issue. And they say, oh, 365 days. No one's going to do that. Okay. Well, let's say you do it five days a week. So let's, let's get rid of a lot of those days. Let's say you do it five days a week. That's 261 hours a year. If you spend one hour a day, five days a week, all year. Do you know how much you can know about any given subject in 261 hours? That is a tremendous amount of time. You can read hundreds and thousands of pages in 261 hours. And so if you spend your summer with one hour a day focused on that, you will grow exponentially in your knowledge of any given area. Don't make it someone else's responsibility. You need to grow. I heard Erwin McManus years ago uh, make the statement that the people that change the world are the people that change the square feet around their feet. It doesn't matter how brilliant mm-hmm. you are. It doesn't matter how educated you are. Your potential does not dictate the impact that you will have on the world. The amount of willingness you are to use your potential is what dictates the impact that you have on the world. And we have to get and recover this mindset 
that if I'm going to change the world, I have to start with the square feet around my feet. You got to get rid of this go big or go home mentality. You got to get rid of this idea that you have to do something that's great big out there. No, you have to do something in your life. You have to focus on changing yourself. You have to focus on using your time more wisely. You have the ability to change your life. Change the square feet around your feet. Jordan Peterson calls it the clean your room principle. Don't worry about the problems of the world. If your room isn't even clean. That is how you change the world is you focus on yourself and you focus on growing, recover that ambition. We're just encouraging people to have some ambition. Just make something better in your life, around your life, complete a project, Mm -hmm. you know, get some knowledge. And then this, this all backs fills everything we talked about, build your family, build the church, have some ambition. You'll have a good summer if that's your goal. Yep. And finally, enjoy grace. Yeah. You need to enjoy the grace of God in your life. So many people uh, swing the pendulum from one side to the other, where you live a life in which you are overwhelmed by kind of this legalistic notion that you have to uh, accomplish so much, you have to do so much, or you're an absolute failure in life. You're going to fail a ton in this life. You're going to fail a ton this summer, but you need to carve out a way for you to enjoy the grace of God. Enjoy all the good gifts that God has given us. Yeah, I think it is a good perspective to understand that, that yes, hey, you'll hear from us. We're in a post-Christian culture. People have never had to navigate that before. We've had a non-Christian culture. This is the first post-Christian culture. However, even given that, if you look around at the material things that we have access to, if you look around at the, the resources that we have access to, and then that's just material. If you look at the knowledge that we mm-hmm. have access to and the ability still, even within now a post-Christian culture, we have, if we're smart and ambitious to have a, a good life with our families and to be able to teach them about Jesus and that even we're still afforded a level of freedom in that right now. We're so blessed. Mm-hmm. We've got to remember that blessing and learn to enjoy it. Not just like have that blessing as like a gritty, yeah, that's right, God, we are blessed. But actually, like, do you do you enjoy yeah. your blessings? Do you do you take time to be like, ah, God really has graced me with much more than I deserved? We've got to be people that have that attitude. Enjoy every opportunity that God brings your way. Don't just look at everything as a dutiful responsibility. Now, if you're wired like me, I find joy in fulfilling duties. It gives me great joy. But if you struggle with the tension of this dutiful life, then you need to realize that much of what God has done to provide you the opportunity to live out those duties is because of his grace. You don't deserve to follow Jesus Christ. You don't deserve to build the church. You don't deserve to build a family. You don't deserve the wonderful gifts that God has given us so that you can build yourself. None of us deserve those things. And so when we don't take those opportunities that God has given us, it's a rejection of grace. And we need to enjoy those things. And if you're not enjoying those things, you really need to check your heart. You really need to check out what's going on inside of you. God has given us so much to enjoy. And so I want everyone to enjoy their summer. Yep. Honor God by enjoying his grace and enjoying your summer. Awesome. Well, we will have a few uh, specials coming up this summer, but we are so thankful for you for joining us for all of season three. Do us a favor, uh, leave us a five-star review, maybe write a few sentences about how wonderful and great we are and how just, just, just the knowledge that we dispense to you is so useful for your life. Enjoy your summer.